looking uh, looking forward to continuing our series together, Jesus in the Psalms. And um, with that, we have made our way up to Psalm 22 this morning. Psalm 22, if you'd go ahead and be turning there in your Bibles. Uh, this is a, um, a um, great psalm uh, because of the way in which it foreshadows the cross and what would happen with Jesus. Um, as, um, as you're turning there, I want to um, also mention, you know, the, um, we are now in November, the month of prayer. Appreciate um, many of you being involved in that already. Um, this morning, you should have received an, an email um, with the next week. And so this coming, coming uh, week here, and really it's about eight or nine days, I think, in there for this time, is um, prayer specific to our missionaries. And so that email has um, the latest um, prayer letter that we have from each of them in there, um, or in the case of certain organizations that, that we support, the, the latest newsletter there about what's going on. And um, the, the goal is basically we, we have a, a missionary, different missionary each day. Um, the exception, we have a retired missionary who doesn't have a letter, so I combined our retired missionaries together. Um, but uh, they certainly need our prayers as well. But uh, looking forward to going through that together. Um, if for some reason either you don't have that email or you need a, a paper copy of that, um, can you, uh, if you could just um, mark that on your card and then I'll make sure that we get one to you. Um, just put it on the back of your blue card and we'll, we'll do that. Um, if you want one today, I can make sure we print one out after the service as well. Um, if you don't get the emails and you want to be on the email list, put your email down there and check I want the emails on the card and I will make sure you get those. We only send out one, usually one a week is, is typically what happens. Usually it's on Wednesdays. Um, only exception if we have something else. And it goes through MailChimp so you can always unsubscribe. And so, uh, you know, if it annoys you or whatever, just unsubscribe. Not a big deal. Um, but if you like those, go ahead and put that on the card. All right. All right, Psalm 22 this morning, the cross foretold. And um, we're going to begin by reading through this psalm. If you'd like to follow along, your Bible in front of you, Psalm 22. To the chief musician upon Ajalath Shahar, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make 
me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and feet, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength, haste thee to help me, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto, the bre- unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him, it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we have read this wonderful psalm today, Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to see all the various connections to our Savior, Jesus. Father, grant us understanding. We pray, Lord, that the wonderful prophecy presented here would be such that it would strengthen our faith, that we would be drawn ever closer to our God. Father, that we'd be encouraged in our hearts because of it. Lord, also, that this psalm would be one which would prepare us for suffering, that we ourselves will face in this life. Help us, Lord, to be ready for what's ahead. And we give you praise for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. As we um, work through this together, um, The Cross Foretold is the title, and you um, have certainly perhaps picked up many of those references 
from the Passion event and when Christ was on the cross um, as, as they appeared during that psalm. It's um, interesting that this uh, psalm starts off as a psalm of David, and there's been a great deal of, of debate um, in regard to this psalm. Um, some look at it and say, well, I don't think there was anything quite like that in David's life, right? Some look at it and say, you know, nails in the hands and feet. They, they, they weren't doing crucifixions back then. That was, you know, the Romans who perfected that. Others invented it, but the Romans perfected it. Um, and, and so, so there, there has been, I guess we, we, we might say there, there's been this question that has come up. And for even among those who are Bible believers, who are, you know, recognize the authority of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture, and, and even among those folks, there has been this question, well, is this about something in David's life or about people there? Um, or is this Psalm pure prophecy about the coming Savior? And um, many men have fallen in many different places along that spectrum along the way in answering that question. And um, certainly I think you could understand why. Um, some note that even if this were in David's life, we don't have many clues about where it happened in the history of his life or the exact place or location. Um, and, and so with that, uh, the question has, has arisen, okay, is it, is it, are some of those things intentionally left out? So we can, in essence, think about this when we are going through suffering and feel like our prayers are not being answered. Um, as, as we approach this psalm. Um, others take a different approach and just say, this is David prophetically declaring what would happen to Jesus. Um, and we, we see that's not, that at first that may seem almost like a foreign idea. How, why would he be just writing prophecy about the coming Messiah? Um, but we see that, that Peter notes this, um, re referring back specifically here to Psalm 16, but um, verse 30 there of Acts chapter 2 says, Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. We're talking about that, David, obviously. What, what happened? He foresaw and spoke about what, the resurrection of the Christ. So, so the, the reference here is, is okay, David in time past has recognized the resurrection because God has granted him that knowledge to be prophetic so that he could refer to the resurrection of Christ uh, all the way back in the, in the Psalms. And, and that's perhaps the, the easiest explanation of what's going on in Psalm 22. It's prophecy from David. Of course, we, we don't know the, the specifics, and God hasn't given us those details about was this ever in, in David's life. I think the answer to that is, is we don't know. Um, we do see his, his reference to what's going on here. Certainly, David cried out many times to the Lord, saying, God, are you, where, where are you? Can, God, do you hear my prayer? Do you hear what I'm saying? And so this is not out of place um, with what what David generally say, says, but 
as we walk through this, we're going to see in the first 10 verses that there is uh, this confusion and suffering um, what's going on. So um, you, you think about this maybe in, in the relationship of someone who has been walking with the Lord, who, who knows the Lord and has a close relationship with him, and then all of a sudden it feels distant or apart. Um, it, it certainly would create confusion. And um, I don't know where we um, experience this today. I mean, maybe uh, I think perhaps the, the place where we see this represented the most in society is maybe in the dating world, right? Somebody's dating someone else or talking to someone else, and all of a sudden they're not responding to your texts anymore. What's going on? Right? What, it's this confusion. What, what happened? What's, what's the issue? Um, now, in comparison to a relationship with God, that's kind of a, a pretty silly example in a sense. Um, but perhaps that's the closest from an earthly standpoint of, of, of what we get. Here is, here is confusion going on because of unanswered prayer. And um, in, in response to that prayer, what's received is silence from the Lord. Now, this uh, verse, first verse here, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou, thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, why, why aren't you hearing me, God? Why aren't you hearing me? It goes on, right? I cry in the daytime, thou hearest not, in the night season, and am not silent. But you are, right? I mean, that's the, 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 the idea there, the second part. Right? You're, but you're holy, and you inhabitest the praises of Israel. The, the, the idea there, once again, pointing out to the fact, God, how, how can you be silent in the midst of this when, when you are holy? When, given the nature of who you are, how can you be quiet now? How can you be quiet here? And, and so we, we have this, as David authors this, just crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Why have you forsaken me? We, of course, know that, that ultimately this is prophetically pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in, in uh, Matthew 27, 46, as um, Jesus here cries out, right? In the ninth hour, he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and so in this, in this same same way, David back in Psalm 22 is writing what the very words that Jesus would say on the cross as, as um, he is going through that distress. And so how, how can Jesus cry out to God the Father about being forsaken uh, in the midst of that circumstance? And as, as one who is forsaken in terms of, God, why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you answering? to even go so far as, as Jesus himself becoming the curse for us, right, as Galatians 3.13 puts it. Um, and, and so he, he goes through all of that in the midst of, of this, this struggle. Um, as we, as we continue, continue on here, right, in verse 3, Thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. O fa our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. 
say, in the past you answered, right? In, in the history of Israel, you have answered in the past. You are a God who answers prayer. That's who you are. But you did it over and over again in the past. You, you helped your people in the past. God, here I am, right? Here I am. Where, where is the answer? Where is the answer that I'm seeking? Where are you at in this moment? Our fathers trusted you took care of them. In the past, they cried out, you delivered them. And they weren't confused. They weren't confounded. This uh, section here, titled Confusion and Suffering, I don't know if you've ever experienced moments like that where in the midst of hardship or trial, you say, God, what's going on here? God, what are you doing? God, if you're using this trial to teach me something, let's go ahead and learn it so that we can get on past this one because, you know, I want this one gone. God, God help me in these moments to learn what you would have me to learn so that, so that we, we can press forward because uh, I don't want to stay here. Right? I don't want to stay in the midst of, of, of this suffering. I don't want to stay in the midst of this trial. And, and God, teach me everything this time because I don't really want to go through it again. Right? I, I don't want to repeat. Uh, use it for my good now and teach me everything. Show me what you're doing. And you cry out to God. You say, God, what is it? What's the answer? What are you doing? Why won't you take it away? Is it sin in my life? Is it, is it, is it sin in my family? What, what is it? And you beg for him. What, what is that? That's confusion, right? Confusion in the midst of suffering. God, would you, would you answer me? You know, this um, promise here, of course, of, of God's provision for his people uh, through time reminds us here of Psalm 37, 25. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God, you, you don't forsake the righteous. What's going on here? Put in the context of the cross for a moment. How can Jesus himself cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? Who's more righteous than Jesus? Yet he became the curse for us. This um, description here in Psalm 22 goes on in verse 6 and notes the following, But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. All they, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusteth on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast that... That very beginning of this talks about this one who is a worm, the one who is looked down and despised on others. He is a worm, right? That's how low he is. And, and so as, as he is going through this suffering, he notes everybody around him is tearing him down as well, right? The people around, they're tearing him down. And, and even they know of his, his testimony. This one trusted in the Lord, yeah, let God help them. Right? Let God help them. Um, and, and so they, they know that. They know what's going on. 
You know, we're familiar probably with those verses as Jesus is on the cross and as the, from in the midst of the crowd they cry up. Verse Matthew 27, 43, He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Just like those group of people who were surrounding them back in Psalm 22, here's, here's the reference to Jesus on the cross. Right? If, if you really belong to God, let's see God rescue you. If you really belong to him, won't he answer your cries? Of course, we know the answer to that. But the same experience. And, and many of us understand this type of of experience where you're in the midst of suffering and those who should be helping you are also crawling out and tearing you down. You ever, uh, you ever had that one who, uh, who, who shows up either in a time of grief or sorrow and, and they're the ones who are, are there, you know, trying to give you the good advice, right? And, and in the midst of the good advice, there are at least three put-downs in the middle of it, you know, or something like that. Or, you know, just, we've all experienced that type of thing. Well, if you'd done, you know, fill the blank right in that moment. It's another one of Job's friends, right, coming along, that, that type of idea. And, and here... Um, we, we have actually those who are surrounding who, who are the enemies. They're not even friends, and they're, they're tearing this one down. They're mocking Jesus on the cross. This, um, this note here um, is, is interesting at the end of this verse that Jesus himself knew that he belonged to God, that, that he belonged to, to him from the womb. It's stated here, and I, and I think that this is something that is um, really unique when we think about Christ um, and, and his knowledge of what was going on. You know, it, it reminds me back of Luke 2.49. He said to them, how is it you sought me? This is Jesus here in the temple speaking back, you know, to his parents after they had left him, and then they come back to get him. And um, he said to them, how is it you sought me? Was she not that I uh, must be about my father's business? In other words, uh, didn't you know that I was in my father's house? Didn't you know that that's where I would be? And, and so even at this young age, Jesus had some understanding of this and um, knew what was, you know, what was going on there. Psalm, this psalm really highlights that idea. So we move into a cry for help now, in verses 11 through 21. And, and, and so this, this pleading increases uh, and and it's, it's tenor. It, it just gets stronger as he cries out. Verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, it is begging almost in, in, in nature now. And the, the description of those who are surrounded um, now become... Um, becomes all these various animals in their nature, right? Verse, verse 12, we have bulls who are compassed me, surrounding me. Strong bulls of Bashan, they're around me. Uh, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. Right? They're, they're licking their chops is the idea here. 
They, they're about to pounce. They're about to devour me. Uh, verse 14 goes, goes on in this description. Poured out like water, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. It, it's not hard to imagine that description uh, being applied to Jesus on the cross where he literally had blood and water flowing out of his side after he was pierced by the spear. His, his bones, of course, being pulled out of joint as he was hanging on the cross. He goes on in verse 15, my strength is dried up. It's, it's, it's like, like a piece of, of pottery. It's just so dry. It's, my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. My tongue's stuck in my mouth. I can't even move it. You, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs, another animal here, have compassed me. They're surrounding me. The assembly of the wicked is around me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them. Cast lots on my vesture. You know, if we, if we just paused here and thought about the, the prophecy that is being spoken here and how perfectly it is fulfilled at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we, we read the crucifixion account. We, we go through that story, um, Good Friday especially, Right? We, we go through that account as we take communion at times. And we, we read it and are reminded about what has taken place. But to, to consider the fact that all of those events, the, the events that are taking place, time after time were predicted perfectly back here in Psalm 22. Can you imagine if, if you had this psalm, if someone literally gave you this sheet of paper and said, you've got to do this. I, I mean, you, you just think about how many things fell into line in the crucifixion account. How does that happen? Well, that happens because of God's providence, right? That's how that happens. Um, it, it doesn't happen otherwise. As God brings those things about and providentially leads through them, but, but each of these accounts uh, are, are perfectly fulfilled. We, we see uh, things like John 19, 23 and 24. Soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts, to every soldier apart. Also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top uh, throughout. And it goes on. They said, therefore, among themselves, let's not tear it, right? But cast lots for it. Whose it shall be? Cast lots for whose it shall be. The scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment above them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. You think the Roman soldiers did it so that they could fulfill scripture? <laughs> well, you don't think that was in their mind? Of course not, right? <laughs> you know, that scripture was not on their mind as they were there crucifying Jesus. But they did these things, and it did fulfill scripture because of the, the providential leading of God. John 19 goes on in verse 28. It says, and, and this Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Right? I thirst. And um, so 
Jesus knows Psalm 22. Right? He knows Psalm 22. He knows the Old Testament. And, and he knows when the prophecy is fulfilled. Because Jesus knows what the Word of God says. He, he is described literally as the living Word. Right? The living Word understands perfectly the written Word. And, and we have, have confidence in that fact. And so as, as Jesus is on the cross, um, he is up there as the God-man. And he knows when Scripture is being fulfilled and has been fulfilled. This description here of them piercing his hands and his feet. And you may have other things written there, but the, the idea into verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet, um, as, as described there. It's, a, it's a, a wonderful example of something that probably would have been read in the time prior to Jesus' coming, in the time prior to the prevalence of crucifixion, um, without really understanding fully what it would one day mean. And yet, when Jesus was crucified, it became clear what this is referring to. As we keep going here in Psalm 22, um, we were at verse 18, they part my garments among them, cast lots in my vesture. Verse 19 goes on there. But, but be, be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Now, I heard a little chuckle at this. Was that him? Yeah, that was Daniel. I, th I thought so. Um, you, did you know there are unicorns in the Bible? Yeah, there are no unicorns. Okay, there are no unicorns. Um, sorry, buddy. Okay, you, you can't go find one. Uh, he's been watching Despicable Me and she chases a unicorn in there. It's okay, whole other thing. But uh, she believes there's uniform, unicorns. So wh why is it here? Well, this, this is just referring to, it, it literally is a horned beast, right? That's, that's what the language there is. And uh, so the, the challenge comes up for, for the, the translator, which horned beast is it? And can you just imagine being in that room when someone blurts out, Let's say unicorn. I mean, could you just imagine being in that? Uh, well, it goes back to the Latin Vulgate. They used the term. That's where it came from. It wasn't actually in the original language. The, um, if you have it in your version, like the King James here, they pulled it off of the Latin Vulgate. That's where they, that's where they got it from. Um, but it's not in the Septuagint, right? It's not in the Septuagint. And, and so um, that, that's how we know that... that that was a, a change that happened later. Um, but really, what, what, are we, what are we talking here? Um, it's, a, it's a horned beast, right? And so the ESV uses the term wild oxen. Um, some think that this was actually um, a, a particular type of, of ox or cow that they had that was especially tall, um, that roamed in in this area and around Europe um, that had big horns, it was powerful, it was mighty, 
and uh, it went extinct around 1600. And so some, some think that it was, it was that animal, but, but we don't know for sure, right? All we have is it's a, it's a big, strong, horned beast. Um, and so that's, that's, what, you know, that's what's um, set before us here. So um, you're, you're sa- he's saved from the lion's mouth, um, and then you've heard me from the horns uh, or the, the wild oxen. You rescued me from the wild oxen, this gigantic beast. And, and so there's a change that happens here in this verse. Before it was, you didn't hear me. You didn't answer my prayer. Where are you? And all of a sudden now, this, this crying out, save me from the mouth of the lion. And what happens? You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. There's a rescue that's taken place now. There's a deliverance that has happened. God heard the cry. He offered the answer. And that's why verse 22 through the end, we see peace and praise, right? We see peace and praise. And so verse 22 begins, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. And, and so things change. Now it's praise. Many, many think that this is um, referring to a, a time of festival actually, in, um, in Israel that would have taken place, a, a banquet of sorts, as they had this time recognizing vows that, that had, had been given for the Lord. And, and so the, the festival time breaks out, and it, it's a time for Israel, and that's what is referred to here, right? The, the, the governor among the nations, uh, the, the Lord there, all the kindreds of the nations will worship before thee. Um, they'll fat, they'll worship, they'll come, they'll declare the righteousness. And, and he has, has done, done these things. And so we, we've moved from Israel into, from verse 27, into the, the nations. And so let's, let's look at those together, those verses. Verse 27, all the, the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindred of the nations shall worship before thee. The kingdom is the Lord's. He is the governor among the nations. All they that, that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. None can keep him alive on his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come, and they shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. And he hath done this. All right, so now all the world is now rejoicing, Right? Israel is rejoicing at the answered prayer. All the world is rejoicing at, at what's taken place. And so, um, of course, as we, as we think about this, um, where, do we, where do we see these things taking place? Of course, the gospel message going first to the Jews and then later to the Gentiles. Hebrews 2.12 saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. 
And, and so this, this quote here um, in, in Isaiah 12, 2 is Psalm 22, verse 22, right? This, this is, uh, so what, what we're reading here on the screen, Isaiah 2, 12, sorry, is, is Psalm 22, 22. And so that, that same reference, this is the idea of, um, some, some would say, a messianic banquet, right? The idea of a festival among all the nations recognizing the Lord. Isaiah, Isaiah 25, verse 6 and following says, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, and of wines on the lees well refined, goes on in verse 7 and says, He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. The rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so... We have this wonderful banquet described, and it, and it goes on then, and, and we see this is also true in regard to just uh, Jesus' dominion over the world, right? Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. You think about how, do, how does God answer the prayer of Jesus on the cross? Well, he, he uh, is the Savior, of his people. He is the savior of all the nations. He is the one who hosts this messianic banquet, this wonderful feast. He is the one who has dominion over all the world, who's in control over it all. And he is the one who has a message of what we might call divine righteousness. Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. This is written, the just shall live by faith. See, all the way back here in Psalm 22, we've got a taste of this, of the gospel going forth after the cross, first to Israel and later to all the nations, even by the way in which it's, it's written and described. This psalm of the cross, um, as, as some have, have called it, use that title, is one that, that takes us through and marches us through that journey. Um, so much so that, that at the end, as we see all of the nations understanding it, it even brings us to this period all the way in Acts 2. Of the Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues and the wonderful works of God. Right, they, as the apostles are giving out the gospel on the day of Pentecost, and they are able to speak in the actual languages of the people who were standing there to hear them. What is that? God supernaturally and powerfully uh, allowing these apostles to, to speak, to use the spiritual gift given by him, to speak in the languages. Why? So that the other nations can hear. It's hard to imagine how far the gospel went on that day of Pentecost. Folks coming from all over the world, entering into Jerusalem to worship. And, and on that day, there are the apostles preaching to that group 
who will then take it out and scatter around the world. You know, this, this Psalm of the Cross, the Psalm 22, lays out for us what, what would come in the future. I, it's hard to imagine in my mind if you were there at the crucifixion, can, can you ima- just imagine being there at the crucifixion and all the confusion among the disciples and, and everything else, you know, afterwards, and we see that and they're afraid for their lives and, and obviously there were a lot of events going on that would cause that sort of human response um, in, in running away. But imagine if you experienced visually seeing the crucifixion and then you go back and you read Psalm 22. Imagine what that would have been like. You you see, for us today, we've got those answers. We've got both sides. And and that shouldn't diminish it for us. That, That should not diminish the power of this psalm and the events that took place when Jesus was crucified, that, in essence, we know the end from the beginning, right? We, we know what took place on the cross, and we have the privilege of seeing, all the way back in Psalm 22, this, this description of what would happen. It, it truly is foreshadowing the cross. It is the cross foretold. You know, when I, when I go through and read things like this, and we, we think about Jesus in the Psalms, but something so powerful, something so perfect, line by line, scripture after scripture fulfilled. I, it, it begs the question, right? How, how could I not believe? How could I not believe? in light of what has been put before us today. You know, these places in Scripture are just so powerful. Let's look to the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, for the way that your word encourages our faith and strengthens our faith. Father, there is, there is so much that we do not fully understand. There's so much in your word Father, that at times can be difficult. Lord, help us to not miss the very simple truths of prophecy being declared and fulfilled. Father, that you are working out your providential plan in the world. And just as you did before, you will continue to do it now and in the future because you are God. Father, we pray that in our moments of suffering, we would take heart, knowing that you are a God who answers. Father, that we would rejoice and praise because of how you answer. Lord, we we ask today that through this, two things would take place. One, that... Father, our our hearts would be strengthened in trusting you. But secondly, Lord, that in moments of suffering and struggle, that we would know that we can depend upon you. 
Father, we, we pray that today uh, and in the week ahead, as we go through these moments of, of, of trouble, hardship, that we would be ready and our hearts would be prepared that come what may, we have a God who's in control of it all. Lord, we give you thanks for that today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.